Ladies and gentlemen, sports fans alike, welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. One of the couple, two, three best podcasts around. So sit back, grab yourself a cold one and a pole of sausage, park your keister in the front room, and listen to Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. In Chicago, you know that all sports rock. The Bears, Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, and Sox. Pick your favorite, you can choose as long as the... Packers lose for everything you need to know. It's Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. You've got a couple of pissed off hosts here. Don't want to sugarcoat this. Sorry, Ice Hogs, you're not getting a shout out today. We're gonna to jump right into this bullshit. Alex, do you want to vent first? Do you want me to vent first? After you. This team didn't even bother to show up. This is why you play in preseason. It takes time to get acclimated and ready to play football. This team was absolutely not ready. And they came out flat and just not ready. That's on the coaches. Another coaching poor decision is Lucas Patrick in at center. I know Tevin Jenkins is hurt. You leave Cody Whitehair at center. You put Jatire Carter and at the left guard, period. That's the way you do it. Lucas Patrick stinks. That was a bad signing. He missed a whole season of injury, and when he does play, he's terrible. And what the hell is Luke Getze doing? Those play calls make me miss Matt Nagy. That it was, they were atrocious. Alan Williams just has so many blown coverages and bad calls, and it it was it was abysmal. This was an abysmal showing, and I I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to be a Bears fan, and I feel stupid for sitting there watching this game for three and a half hours. I feel stupid. You you said it all in terms of preparedness. That was not a prepared football team today. That was the opposite of how you wanted to see a team start a season. And you know what? I know it's only week one. If that's a tone setter, then this is big trouble. This We have gotten our hopes up a lot for the Bears in previous seasons. We've seen some good openers. We've seen some bad ones. This might be the worst. Because even even in 2018 against Green Bay, when you blew that 20 to nothing lead, at least you had Khalil Mack going off and you said, you know what? Rookie coach kind of took our foot off the gas pedal. Rodgers was probably high as hell on some illegal drugs that they're not going to do anything about. You know, we thought that was a low point in the opener. This might take the cake of any awful opener that we've seen. We, we've seen some, you know, not so good ones. We've seen some uninspired ones. We've seen some heartbreaking ones. This, this was on a whole other level. Last year, end of last year, mid-end of last year, when you were down to Equinemius St. Brown as wide receiver number one, and you had a bunch of no-names out there, they played with more integrity than they did today. It's not even close. Th- this looked like a preseason game to them. 
And what did we say in the final preseason game? You remember how we talked about how unprepared and sloppy they looked? Mm-hmm. And that it's the coach's job to get this under control? Well, guess what? They didn't. They didn't. Any respectable NFL coaching staff would have this team at least prepared for this game. This was more than just a week one start. This was supposed to be your rebranding. This was supposed to be you coming out and saying, hey, we could finally take down our oldest nemesis. It doesn't look like Rodgers left. It's the same result. You got embarrassed at home on the national level. Everyone is laughing, laughing. The only team that looked as bad as the Bears so far in week one, and I granted we've still got a handful of games left. The the only other team that has looked as bad or close to as bad has been the Bengals. But the Bengals, the Bengals are a playoff team that just had a bad game. They have yeah. a quarterback coming off an injury. You you're like, I, there's no way that they don't rebound from this. The Bears, I don't know. I, this this is a train wreck. We talked about, oh, yeah, there's three teams that are just absolutely tanking this season. And, it well, two teams that are tanking and, and a couple of others that are going to be bad. But the two tankers are the Buccaneers, who won today and beat the they Vikings. Won. They won. They beat. They beat. A Vikings team that was that was healthy, ready mm-hmm. to play. They beat them, and the Cardinals played well. They they, uh, you know, they held, kept it close with the Commanders until the end. But they they competed. They didn't get blown out in embarrassing fashion. No, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. The Buccaneers were on the road too. They did it on the road with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. We were at home. All this hype, all this energy in the stadium. We should have known better. We we did know better. You and I, I think, knew better. But, you know, y- you have all this energy and the Bears are, are going out there trying to hype themselves up. And this is what you get. Yeah, it's this- disgusting. This is absolutely pathetic. Pathetic. There's, there's no other way to put this. It's just pathetic. And can we, can we, can we be done with Luke Getzey, please? Yeah. When are we going to draw the line? When are we going to draw the goddamn line? All three coordinators. Special teams was bad. Defense was bad. Offense was bad. And you know what? Uh, they they have one boss. It's Matt Eberflus. I'm who ready shows, to... Who shows the same emotion as a statue? I'm, I'm ready to launch him to the moon too. Thwong. <laughs> Sean Hotman is currently building the world's biggest trebuchet. Oh yeah, it's a three man, tri- four man trebuchet, and it's going to launch all four of them into the bog of eternal stench. Sean Hotman took weaving lessons so he can weave the world's largest basket for the trebuchet. Yeah, I'm going to launch them into the world of labyrinth. <laughs> I, I, I'm just embarrassed. And 
you know, it was close going into half. And I tweeted, like, you could pull the receipt. I said, they're going to run Jones down our throat. And the Packers came out in that second half ready to play. And the Bears just peed their pants. Yeah. And this is what I was worried about going in, losing the trench battle. I mean, that's exactly what happened. And you know what? Look look at the first defensive drive of the game. After you snuck with your tight end on third down. I don't know why. Then you go for it. Then you don't get it. And then I, twice. I don't, I'm not, I'm not mad that they went for it on fourth down there. I'm not mad for it on fourth down, but why are you sneaking on third down? Is, you know what? If you're going to do a bullshit ass stupid play on third down, you might as well go deep. They should yes. have gone deep and tried to stretch the field because you know what? If you, that is a play that if ever you're going to get, if ever you're going to get a uh, blown coverage by the Packers, that's it right there. And um, if you, if you get a touchdown right there and you, you start this game off differently is you don't give them a short field with an easy touchdown and things are different, but it's you set the bad tone right off the bat. Luke Getze is the biggest coward on earth. He is right there with Wimpy from, from Popeye. (laughs) That cowardly ass play calling. Saw it last year. We tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. We saw it last year. Remember when they, remember last year when they had the lead against green Bay, remember what he did and Justin Fields was actually playing well. We took the, just, Oh, is cowardly ass play calling and it's embarrassing. He should be embarrassed. He should be embarrassed is you had the whole off season to figure your shit out. I can't believe that there's people that are, are like, Oh my God. You know, what if we lose Getsy? Yeah. Like then good. <laughs> be gone. I, you know, any, any ding dong off the streets could be calling these types of plays. It is bad offense. Your team's not ready to play. You can't still can't protect your quarterback. We went, we went into this off season saying we have a hundred million dollars and we still didn't fix our offense or defensive lines. No, we didn't. Why didn't we? Is we still got pressure on our quarterback like crazy. The that middle of the, I mean, at least it's not the edges that were the turnstiles, but at the middle of the offense, just got pushed backwards. Oh yeah, His white hair and Lucas Patrick looked terrible, and it was it was bad. It was bad. And then you have the defense that can't get any pressure on them. Any pressure. No, no. Love had all day to throw on certain throws. And and frankly, frankly, you watch you watch that game. Do you realize what the score would have been if Aaron Rodgers was under yeah. center for the Packers? Yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to anoint Jordan Love. I'm not either. I, there were some big were, throws he missed. And and I for a fact, that blown play where he dropped the ball and then threw that long pass 
number one, that was a bad throw. And number two, there was a blatant missed holding call. Blatant. That was right there. And they didn't call it. That should have been called back. Um, But there was so many blown coverages. And I, your new captain, Eddie Jackson, looked like a dog shit. Yeah. He looked lost out there. And it looked like week one from a few years ago. Remember that against the Rams? Yeah. What it looked like. I'm I'm just embarrassed. There was there was undisciplined. There was so many penalties. Oh my so god. What penalties. was it? Braxton Jones, how many on him? Like it just so many penalties and and missed calls, obviously favoring the Packers, like the pass interference in the end zone on Cole Combat. Yeah. Missed, missed. I, I, I watched. I don't know if you did. You watch the Vikings game? I saw the end. Did you see the pass interference that gave the Vikings, uh, you know, the the tying touchdown? Yeah, I, I did see a replay. Oh of my that. god, it, that was that was called the pass interference, but basically bear hugging Cole Komet, not pass interference. Yeah, and the missed holding call. It just. Like it's just bullshit. Everything was bullshit. It's frustrating. You already have a team that wasn't ready to play and they can't even get fair officiating. It's they wouldn't have changed the outcome. No, 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 no. I don't want to say that. It just, it's just, it It was insult to injury. Yes. Insult to injury. And okay. I have another question for you. Do you have the stats in front of you by any chance? I don't. Um, I, my question was how many times was DJ Moore targeted? Two, two times, two times, two times. Oh, and by the way, where the fuck is Chase Claypool? Don't I know. forgot he was on the team today. Yeah. I mean, I, you might, you might as well have been inactive. It was, it was brutal. And what did we see early on with the defense again? You get them to third down. What happens? The quarterback gets all. They they don't blitz. Did did, how many blitzes happened today? I don't think I I can't recall a blitz. This they went with the straight coverage and no blitzes. They let uh they let a first year starting quarterback have all day. They didn't blitz him. They didn't try to confuse him. Nothing. If they truly don't believe in blitzing, then you'll be lucky to win three, four games this year. If that's how you're going to play, you need to stop the run. You need to get to the quarterback, and they couldn't do either. And and you know, I knew they wouldn't be great against the run, but we we do we know that yes. It don't get carved up. Don't give up. Don't give up eight yards on first down. You know, I can deal, I can deal with four yards here, five yards here, and then an occasional stop. Like I can live with that. I, I, you know, you expect that because then eventually they're going to have to pass. But when you give them second, second and twos, like, uh, of course they're going to hit plays. It's infuriating. Yep. You know, the Colts are a team that we expect to be really bad. And they came out today ready to play. She came out ready to play. 
I, I don't. And the look of the loser look on their faces on the sidelines. They gave up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But hey, at least they got some nice garbage time points, right? I mean, the only the only thing I'll give credit to is Roshan Johnson actually looked like he wanted to play today. Roshan Johnson basically put that dude in a DeLorean and knocked him backwards in the next last Tuesday. I he walloped that guy. Yeah, I I I do think he's going to be good. I mean, he was like I feel like he was probably the brightest spot of today. You saw Yannick Ngakwe make a few plays on defense, but it didn't really end up mattering. I mean. Those are like the few good takeaways you can have. Roshan Johnson, the best, like not only did he run that dude over, pick up the first down, but then he drew a 15 yard penalty and got at 15 yards added on top of that. Like that was a hell of a play. Roshan Johnson is going to be the starter sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just, just frustrated is this team is out of sync you and it all stems from you why don't you play these guys in preseason why don't you get these things worked out in preseason because they're the chicago bears and they have to play everything safe that's what they do they have to play everything safe whether it's drafting whether it's how they play guys whether that's play calling it's always got to be conservative and safe you know what we were essentially, other than Tevin Jenkins, we were essentially healthy today, and it didn't matter. You yeah, gotta, you didn't. gotta play your guys. You got to, you got to. Eberflus is on super thin ice right now, and Luke Getzey just after looks week dreadful. one, he looks dreadful, and you know, you. You go to Tampa next week. It's going to be hot as hell. I don't know what it's going to be. Let me look at the weather. What is Tampa seven day forecast here? Um, Tampa seven day forecast. Uh-uh-uh. Next Sunday, it's going to be 90 degrees and sunny. It's going to be hot. Bears better be ready to play in hot weather. And I don't care. Tampa Bay is undefeated and you're going to their stadium. It's hard to win road games in the NFL and the bears better be ready to play. That's all I can say because they're, if they, you start Owen two losing to green Bay and Tampa, then, then you go to the, then you go to Arrowhead and you're going to be playing a pissed off uh, chiefs team. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, you look at their loss to the Lions the other night, and, you know, the Lions, they played with a lot of heart. You know, they went out there, and they really, really played with a ton of moxie. And, you know, the Chiefs, they they had opportunities to win, too, and they couldn't catch the balls. And to me, that was a bigger win for the Lions than it was a loss for the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs will come right back. I yeah. mean, you know, it's they'll they'll come right back. Yeah. You know, we we had talked. Oh, you know, if you beat the Packers, we're on a you know 
transition and you got the Buccaneers, it's an easy win. Probably lose to the Chiefs. You could beat the Broncos and the Commanders. Mm. And and then you're starting was that two four and one. That's that's good. You know, four and one right off the bat. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the only op, the only possibility we have to go four and one now is involves going to Arrowhead and and beating the Chiefs. You watched that opening football game between the Lions and the Chiefs, right? I did. Think about what that what the you think about a trench battle today. Imagine when we have to go up against the Lions. Yeah. With their lines, with that offensive line, that defensive line, that could look like New Year's Day last year. The only hope is, I mean, we don't play them until, what, week 10? It's it's a while. It's down the road. Is hopefully Tevin Jenkins is healthy at that point? Yeah. It's just... All I can say is at least the Panthers lost. Every time they lose, I just look at that draft pick and go, okay, all right. Ugh. Because I'm already – I'm it's it's week one of the NFL season, and I'm already looking forward to the draft. That's, Me too. That's, how, that's where we are. It, it should never be this way. It, I mean, logic defies concluding things after week one. But you are coming off a three and season. You're not you're – not, I'm all victory and losing a tight one. That happens. Week one's crazy. That happens. Coming out this uninspired with this many problems. And, you know, I don't want to pin this all on him because it was not all his fault. And I think you saw some good things. But, uh, you know, your, your quarterback, there's still some things you worry about. And we saw it today. So th- th- there's so much mystery shrouded in this. You're coming off a miserable season as it is. Why should we be inspired for anything right now? Are they are, is are they probably going to, you know, have a better effort down the road and win some game? I mean, the chances of you having a winless season are obviously really small, so I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to go winless. You're you're going to win a few games, but it's just do you think they're going to win a lot? I mean, you, you can't you can't use the week 1 logic point right now because it's right now it all just feels moot it doesn't matter the way you looked today at home when you tried to hype yourself up i i mean we gave all the we gave all the leeway last year to lose those games for that first pick and you thought you know what we got that first pick you then got a haul for it maybe things are turning and we'll start to see things shape up and then this happens. I, I I don't I you you can't come up and talk to me about optimism right now. It doesn't matter if you're talking about Justin Fields. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the offensive line, the defensive line, the team as a whole, the coach. It does it doesn't matter what aspect you talk about. You cannot sell me any sort of optimism right now after what we just saw. Yeah, I, I'm not saying they're going to go 0-17. Like you said, odds are very slim on that. But you know what? I'm not counting them on them to win any games this year. You, If you go out and win one, okay, you win one. But my optimism 
just went from really high to really low in a span of three and a half hours. And Sean, I was not optimistic, but I didn't think it would be like this. I did not think it would be like this. Like I said earlier in the show, when we started recording, this was the most demoralizing week one loss I have ever felt. Can you think of another one that was worse? Honestly. I mean, the one where what was it like the Bears lost like 10 nothing to Packers on opening night? Like 10 20, to 3. 10 to 3. Like that one sucked. That but it sucked, this, but this one, this one just changed my whole outlook on the season. We were supposed to be rejuvenating our fan base at least some level. And I feel like more people are just going to walk away and give up. <clears throat> Makes me want to give up. Oh, yeah, I'm I am pissed. Like, I'm just. My wife was like, you know, I want to make an effort to watch more Bears games with you. And she sat down with this game and I was just like, this is this is miserable. Like, I want to scream at my TV. And I can't because, you know, my wife is sitting right there. And I bought a big giant TV for this before the season. And I was excited to be able to watch the Bears and their new high powered offense on my 86 inch TV. And I had I got an up close and personal view of turd sandwiches. I felt bad for any friends or family that I knew that were at the game today. Oh, yeah. Imagine spending a bunch of money buying those tickets. And it was too... It'd be one thing if this was against, like, the Chiefs. This is the team that's owned you, your biggest rival. A chance to turn the tide. Even if you lost a really close game where Fields balled out and you just couldn't get the defense, you say, okay, we just need to know where we focus going forward. Nothing. Yeah. You, you you got you got nothing. You yeah. got nothing but an embarrassment. And and the the, the sad part is is be- between shit ass play calling and poor offensive line play, it's we're we're gonna have to figure out you know whether we sign Justin Fields to an, a contract extension before we know who he is. And you know, honestly, if you if you wind up with a top five pick of your own this year and you're and you go, man, maybe it's time. Maybe, maybe we got to fire this whole coaching staff and retool. Why, why would you keep fields? I would, I, I mean, I love Justin Fields, but if, if you finish top or bottom five again, you know, I, and I'm polls. I'm like, you know what? I got my mulligan and I'm cleaning house on the staff and I'm bringing in a new quarterback and a new staff and start hitting reset. Yeah. I mean, cause th- this was kind of a weird thing where you're trying to build off the end of the pace era while also trying to rebuild with the polls era. I mean, if there's one, like, let's say, 
let's say this this season continues to suck. Okay, we're just going to play scenario. If this team continues to suck, and you have like two high end picks, at least you have the ammunition to to truly restart this. I hate I hate the fact that it's week one and we're talking about this, but this is how bad it feels. This is how bad it feels. It is really hard to try to make your fans talk about this in a logical way, but you know what? Right now, what else can we say? It's, it just sucks. You know, on the defensive line got owned by the offensive line and uh, you had the defensive backs were just they were out of sorts they i mean you didn't have their number one receiver and they they still pantsed you because you had so many blown coverages they just they just pantsed you your offensive line just got pushed around you couldn't get one yard on two attempts you just couldn't you you try to do these cutesy ass plays that don't work. You know what worked? You got to rewind back to one season ago is you take your strong athletic quarterback and you line up people behind him and you push. Tell Luke Etsy that. Uh, And your offensive line didn't look good. Your wide receivers just, they, I don't know if they couldn't get open or if Fields just had no time with guys in his face because there was no pocket. The It was the center of the – the pocket was getting collapsed. So he's having to roll out. And he this, had one – This, this isn't one, week 10 or 11. This is week one and you're seeing that. You had, you had one designed run and it got you negative yards. And you had bad – Bad penalties on in all three phases. You remember the second second drive when they got to third down? They they, Pen- they kicked a penalty field goal. penalty and then negated a fifteen yard freebie with another fifteen yard freebie that offset that too. But do you remember on third down when they threw behind the line of scrimmage? Yeah. What did, what did we've seen that before, right? It, it reminds me of someone particularly bald. You know what is go back to any number of Bears offensive coordinators, Terry Shea, uh, you know, Matt Nagy, like just any of them, any of them. It's it's just a Bears thing. Oh hey, Trustman, we, we need we need eight yards. Let's throw six. Yep. Yep. Uh, it it was pathetic. It was pathetic. And this coaching staff, as bad as the players were on the field, is the coaching staff, they looked pathetic. They were so outclassed by their uh, their counterparts on the other side of the field. Matt LaFleur dance like maneuvered all around Eberflus. Their offensive coordinator just got just pantsed Allen Williams. Luke Getze got pantsed by their defensive coordinator. They weren't prepared. This is just horseshit. And I, I, there's 
like I, it's not even worth breaking down individual plays because it was just horseshit from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was. Uh... Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, I, you know, I, there's people already online being they're Bears fans. Like this, this Fields experiment is over. Like, did Fields play great? No, but he was far from the reason that they lost. Is is why why can't we get a competent offensive coordinator in this place? Why? Regime after regime, coaching staff after coaching staff, nothing ever changes. Like, uh, it. I mean, it's it. Why did it not? Why didn't we hire Brian Dable? You know, I tried to excuse that one, but it's looking more and more now like a mess. You know, I wanted to give Eberflus the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, you know what? So did I. It doesn't so matter. I. It doesn't matter if you're an offensive guy, defensive guy, because you're you're going in, and I mean, Belichick is not an offensive guy. You're like you you're the best, like the best guy to run a team, and you bring in good coordinators. But he brought in two turd sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. I, I, I mean... What, what, what? We have next week and then more misery after misery after. I mean, is it, are we going to see improvement? Are we going to see anything better? Right now, I, I expect nothing, truly. I, I just, I'm just dumbfounded. I, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say. It's just, I just want to throw my hands up. Like, okay. You know, is there a good shot they beat the Buccaneers? Probably. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you know, we all thought the Buccaneers were a turd sandwich team going into this, and they beat a overrated Vikings team. But you know what? Unless they go if, – if they play like this, there's no way they're going to win. No way. And, and that Chiefs team, I guarantee – I guarantee Kelsey's back by then. So you're not going to have that luck of not having Jason Kelsey. And he's going to torch you. He's going to torch you. Oh, yeah. It's it's going to be a clinic. Uh, I'm just so incredibly, ridiculously sad about this game. It's... We as Bears fans deserve better. Yeah. Yep. We we absolutely deserve better than what we got. Yep. And yet it never changes. Never. Never changes. It doesn't matter who we put in that 
that driver's seat is the same horse shit. And going back to look at this, where are the Vikings and the while you're looking i have something that kind of jumped out at me i wanted to share with you i think i meant to say it last week but i didn't want to be that downer before the season even started but i like fantasy football love fantasy football i'm in several leagues one of the leagues that i'm in uh is with my college buddies and we're talking about all these different guys on the board and i look and say man There's not a single bear I would take in the first few rounds. The first bear I would take is DJ Moore. And I wouldn't even take him all that high. No, you cannot take a bears. A bears. uh, I mean, you take Justin Fields. He's going to score you a bunch of points. Um, But you don't take him high. I mean, look who's going high right away. You have guys like Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey, Cooper Cup. Those are the guys, Devontae Adams. Those are the guys you take. There's no bear even close to that. You take bears in like the third, fourth, fifth rounds. Look at the tight ends. Cole Komet just got an extension. Do you know how many more tight ends are getting taken over him? At least 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you'd rather have Cole Komet over George Kittle? How about that kid the Lions drafted? He looks like a stud! Cole Komet is going to be, at best, slightly above average. I, I, I like Cole Komet. I don't love Cole Komet. Yeah, I want to I go back and watch the Buccaneers Vikings game. Cause I was at a, um, a kid's birthday party and I just saw a handful of plays on a TV in the, out in the lobby of the place. But like, I'm looking at the stats and I mean, Baker threw for under 200 yards. None of, uh, none of their running backs ran for over three yards a carry. Mike Evans had 66 yards receiving. Um, was there a lot of turnovers? They only had they only had two sacks. Oh, it looks like the Vikings had two fumbles and an interception. So maybe that's why. I don't know what the hell did the Buccaneers do to win. Kirk Cousins threw for 344 yards and two touchdowns. Justin Jefferson had 150 yards receiving. There was that big interception at the goal line uh, before the half. Maybe. I I didn't see. Um, But, yeah, I just... I mean, I'm hoping that the Bears can get a victory in here. It's I I just need that. I need I need to see something because if we go if we lose to the Buccaneers and are zero and two going to Arrowhead, I I might not even watch that disaster. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Hey, I got a quote for you. Okay. Bears head coach Matt Eberflus on Justin Fields' play. Quote, I have to look at the tape. End quote. <laughs> Hard hitting. Hard hitting. This sucks. Oh, man. How can you be this unprepared? How can you be this incompetent? How? How is that possible? I, I want Matt Eberflus to go before he watches the film on J- Justin Fields to watch the film on Luke Getzey and Alan Williams. Watch that film. Yeah. What? What? Seriously. Watch that dog shittery. You you say you want to go and compete every game. Yeah. You, you you can't because you you come out there looking like assholes. Keep firing, assholes. <laughs> Who made him a gunner? I did, sir. He's my cousin. Who is that? He's an asshole. I know that. What's his name? That is his name, sir. Asshole. Major asshole. And his cousin? Sergeant Gunnery Asshole. How many assholes we got on the ship anyhow? Yo. <laughs> that's 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 what I picture the uh <laughs> that's what I picture the Bears run office. Uh, uh that's I mean that's Honestly, that's pretty legit. That sounds about right at this point. (laughs) Uh, And I hate non-noon games. I'm going to be honest. Oh, I do too. Especially when they're not good because then the rest of the universe gets to watch. And I have a question. This is from my own knowledge. What happened at the very end of the uh, the uh, Patriots Eagles game? Because on on the tracker on uh, online, it was like, oh, the the Patriots have it uh, first and goal from the eight, and then it said uh, there was no play, and it said Eagles have first down, and they're running the clock out. Like, what the hell happened? Mm, yeah, I don't know. I haven't been paying attention to that one. Um, but yeah, sorry. Go back to my point is I hate that when the, the rest of the universe gets to watch how bad the bears are. And let's see game one embarrassment on live TV at prime time or, you know, the afternoon game uh, week three afternoon game week five, Thursday night uh, week eight, at the Chargers, who looked really good today, uh, Sunday night, week ten, Thursday night, um, week twelve at Minnesota, Monday night, and I'm guessing that week fifteen against the Browns that could be flexed is probably not going to be prime time. But then week sixteen, Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon game against the Cardinals. And week 18, I'm sure, will be an, a Saturday or Sunday afternoon game against the Packers in Lambeau. So many opportunities to watch how bad this stupid team is. Yep. 
Just infuriating. One month, Sean. One month from today, Connor Bedard is going to be making his NHL debut. Can we at least get one team that doesn't suck in this town? Well, well, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully the Cubs can get one of these wild card spots. Though it was kind of a rough weekend. It was a rough weekend. You had four games against Arizona. You're like, you know what? If they can just split this series. Split would have been fine. I'm fine with a split and you don't, you lose three of four. I mean, thank God they salvaged today, but I was at yesterday's game. Did you know that? I did. I saw it on the, the Twitter machine. I was all the way at the very top row of the upper deck, leaning against that, uh, that old mesh fence. They've renovated most of Wrigley field, but the old me- the upper deck is basically untouched. I mean, it's still the same concrete, still the same hair nets trying to, catch falling shit from the ceiling and you know those old seats and the old uh mesh fence that's in the back there so i'm leaning against that and saw them lose an extra innings and that was rough that was rough and oh man i usually try to stay composed in public at a sporting event but were you watching or following that game i was following did you see or hear about Jan Gomes getting thrown out at second base in the ninth inning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much aware. When that happened, let's just say I am really, really glad there were no children around. Uh, yeah, just so, so frustrating. Because if they would have won yesterday... And then you win today and you end with a split. Okay. And and listen, the first two games, first game, you fell behind. Diamondbacks were hitting the ball hard. You just lost. Okay. It happens. Game two, losing one to nothing. The winning run scored on a ball that was millimeters from being in the Suzuki's glove. And you got shut out by one of the National League's best pitchers. Okay. Saturday's loss was legitimately frustrating and anger-filled. That was really, really bad. Yeah, but, I mean, it's what's frustrating is putting it in other words. Friday's game, you got a gem from Jamison Tyon. His, that was the best he's ever looked as a cup. Six innings, one hit baseball. Nine, nine strikeouts. strikeouts. And... And you you blow that, and that's that hurts, that really hurts. And then, you know the the Saturday game, you have a a, a really great start from Jamison uh, or Jamison from Justin Steele, and he where he goes seven and gives up one, and you lose that one, and you know thank God the Diamondbacks don't score a lot of runs you probably get swept in the series, but um, you know, Hendricks gives you a pretty good outing. I mean, it's as good as an outing as you're probably going to get from him, but the, to salvage this, you know, and we're, we're running out of real estate here on, 
on, you know, the Cubs, the Cubs being able to win and, and their schedule doesn't look that easy going forward. You have to take advantage of those games against the Rockies and the Pirates. There, there is no, no other way around it. Oh yeah, you have to. I mean, uh, you know, this is this is not a good Rockies team, and your, uh, you know, it sucks. It would have been nice to if you're going to lose three out of four to stupid Arizona. It'd be nice to have at least have thrown out your back back end of your rotation there. Yeah, and that way that way you can get your best starters to pitch against you know Colorado and get get a sweep. But I mean, you are where you are, so you get three against the Rockies, you get a day off on Thursday, and then you go to Arizona for three. Yeah. And what sucks over the past few weeks is you, you're going to need to sweep to get the tiebreaker against the Diamondbacks. And you already lost the tiebreaker to the Reds. I'm not as worried about the Reds. I mean, I'm not, not worried about them, but you know, Let's, I'm definitely more worried about the Diamondbacks. I, yes. I agree. Um, you know, here's here's the rest of your schedule for the rest of the season. You go three at Colorado, day mm-hmm. off. Three at Arizona, day off. You come home, three against Pittsburgh, and three against Colorado at home, back-to-back, no day off. You get a day off after that Colorado series, you go to Atlanta for three, no di- no travel day. Go right from Atlanta to Milwaukee for three to wrap it up. Those last six games. I just hope, I just hope that when we go to Atlanta, they're gonna be like they're gonna have like everything clinched and they're not gonna be playing as hard. Oh, yeah. it's, it's just my only hope by that point they're gonna have they're gonna i mean how far are they ahead of the dodgers that's the question that's the that's the only thing is that there's going to be national league implications outside the division um because the thing is they're gonna wanna they're gonna start at that point they're so far in the lead they're just gonna want to get their rotation set up for the the series the first right. series right 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 um but right now on fan graphs the the odds the cubs have an 86% odds of making the postseason yeah cuz you know you know what really kind of stinks about the diamondback series we felt amazing after that giant sweep oh yeah that was a great series game 1 Justin Steele pitches the game of his life. You win five to nothing. Game two, your offense comes alive for the first time in a while outside that one game against the Reds, and you're able to win a high-scoring affair. Game three, you sweep easy. Jordan Wicks looks great. It, things were feeling really, really good going to that Diamondback series. But to your point about this, the, this potential s- split, I, th- I thought, you know what? This Diamondback series is going to be annoying. You could split at home. You can live with it. Yeah, I was just like split. But when you got a four game series, just split. And if they split, uh, you know the Cubs, 
the Cubs are what, like two games out of first place and they're, they got a more of a cushion, another game cushion in the wild card lead. You're like, okay, I'm feeling a lot more confident, but it's, um, you know, your, your odds, your odds are your, of winning the division. You're at 19.2%. That's, that's tough. Um, and that wild card, you're a little over two thirds. So 86% chance of, of making it. And that's from fan graphs. And, um, on baseball reference, what do they got, Jad? If you're the Cubs, um, Cubs, they have an 89.5. So baseball's feeling pretty confident that the Cubs are going to make the postseason. And um, let's see what these standings look like here. MLB standings. You're three behind the Brew Crew. And I think, don't the Brewers have a pretty cakewalk schedule? Yeah, it's it's easy. I uh, I do not think we're winning the division. No. We got so we got within a game and a half and then, you know. Um, you would have had to you would have had to really catch up and take the lead already, I think, to to catch up to them. Um wild card. You are uh 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 You are uh, two games behind Philadelphia and two up on uh, Arizona, right? Two up on Arizona. So, and then Arizona is on. I'm a little worried about Miami. I, yeah. I Cincinnati sort of just fallen by the wayside a little bit. I think they've kind of run out of steam. They just don't have the horses, but Miami just keeps winning. That's the team I'm worried about. Yeah, they they just kind of find ways to scrap to wins. Yeah, and they got uh, they got some pitching over there. Yeah, I'm so I'm bringing up the the remaining schedule for these other teams. Um, Milwaukee. Your schedule is um, they're against Miami right now, which uh, which is good and bad. I mean, you, no matter what, you're gaining on if you win, you gain on somebody. But um, so you were. You're, so the Brewers have a four-game stretch against Miami this week, and then three against the Nationals, four against the St. Louis, three more against the Mariners. I mean, sorry, the Marlins, and uh, three against St. Louis and three against the Cubs. Um, so I, you know that was kind of a cakewalk earlier, but the Marlins have been playing tough. So now you're like, Oh, they got seven against the Marlins. Um, 
and Arizona has four at the Mets. And then the three against the Cubs, two against the Giants, three against the Yankees, three against the White Sox, and three against Houston. That Houston series, I think they're going to get thumped there. Um, The Cubs can win that series. I'm feeling confident that Arizona's not catching us. And what does Miami look like? Miami has... uh -uh. They've got the four against... The four against the Brewers. Then they've got three against the Braves. Three against the Mets. Three more against the Brewers. Three more against the Mets. And then three against the Pirates. Man. It's going to be tight, man. The... Do you root for the Brewers or do you root for do you root for the uh the Marlins? I mean, like the goal should always be winning the division, but um if I you mean, have a chance to win the division, win the division. I mean, the key is the Cubs have to win some games because right, in those 7 games if if you can win you're gaining on somebody. Either you're padding your wild card uh, odds, or you're chipping away at the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you could you can only control yourself. You control your own destiny. So you just got to win. I mean, you know, hypothetically, the the Cubs, if the uh, the Brewers and Marlins go. Four, four and three, or three and four against each other. Um, if the Cubs won all seven of those games during that stretch, they'd gain four on one and three on the other. Mm-hmm. That's huge. So, man, this week, I mean. I kind of want somebody to get swept. Cause I That's think hard. That's hard. It, it is hard because two, two and two that I guess that leaves you in limbo and the Cubs are in a wild card spot right now. I guess that's a sort of, you know, uh, one of those where you just status quo. So, you know, the the two and two keeps you at status quo, so you don't really, you know, not gaining or losing in the standings, and it's, you know, gives gives them less room to to gain on you because then at that point you've only got like two and a half weeks left of baseball. So I don't know. Just get ready for it. This is going to be a tight one. I mean, this is going to be down to the wire. This was never going to be easy. I just, all I know is you got to go in there and kick the shit out of the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. There, there's no other way to put it. You got to go out there and beat them. And you got to do the same thing. With the pirates. This is, you know, this is the point where we're at is you can't F around against those kinds of teams. It's post deadline. 
they've traded away top guys. These these types of teams, you got to go and beat them. Colorado is going to be likely a a hundred loss team. Are they both three game series or is one a four game against Colorado? Against Colorado, this one is three games. Yeah, three and three. Got to go. You got to go five and one. I think so. I think if you go five and one, that really hammers it down. That that makes it real hard for other teams to to knock you out of the playoffs. You can't be worse than four and two. Yes, I feel like four and two is like the minimum. You yeah, you have to win both of those series. Yes, yes. Because I mean, here's the thing: like Colorado's bad, but really stupid shit happens in that ballpark out there in Colorado. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a this is a team that's on pace to lose 103 games. Yeah, you can't you can't ever and you know what the offense has to hit. I mean, I think they will in Colorado. You hope, you hope, um, but. Where where I'm pissed off about this series against Arizona, where you you struggle to score runs. Why aren't you giving at bats to the guy you called up that was red hot in the minors? Yeah, he's gotten one. Yep, but why why not more? You're not hitting. Well, and, and here's the thing too is, and I know it's it's a different position than where than where Canario plays, but you know at least today when they salvaged the win, David Ross finally shook things up a little bit, and I I know Can, Candelario came out with discomfort, but he's been really struggling lately, and I think it was more than time to give him a day off and try to mix things up and I, I get Morell's been struggling lately too, but he'd been out of the lineup. You plugged him in today, he had a home run and a triple. So, you know, it's it's frustrating when when a group of people are hot, the other are not. You know, a a month or so ago, Seiya Suzuki was the coldest player on the planet. Now he's tearing the cover off the ball. Meanwhile, you know, Dansby Swanson, he's had a few last few good games, but overall he's been slumping. Uh, Mike Talkman's been in a real slump. So you've had a number of guys in a slump kind of just interchangeably. Really, the, there's one consistent hitter on this team. It's Cody Bellinger. Yep. He's been far and away the most consistent hitter. Everything else, it's been very, very up and down. And it, it was good today to see Swanson homer and with a few hits. But... You know, you, you just want this to come together again at the same time because you you can see what this team can do when it's firing on all cylinders. And it just it, lately it just hasn't been. And there was a stretch where you won a lot of low scoring close games. Now you've lost some of those games and you kind of knew that you were going to lose some of those eventually. And what what happened today? What happened today? That didn't happen the the other three days for the Cubs. Do you do you can you guess what I'm thinking? Um, got guys on base. Hit the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah, ball go far, team go far. 
I mean, they don't have to. I mean, this is a team that's won without the home run, but man, it sure does help. You you need power in. This is my belief. You do need some power in crucial moments in crucial games. But at least now we have three guys with twenty plus home runs, which is good. You know, you got Cody Bellinger, Dansby Swanson, and doesn't isn't technically Patrick Wisdom. I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about Morrell. Oh, um, uh, but I'm sort of look here. So Cubs are only two games behind the Phillies for that top wild card spot, and Phillies are starting a series against the Braves. Here's the thing. I w- I wouldn't to me winning the division and having the first wild card is pretty similar, right? Cuz yeah. the the NL Central is going to be playing in the wild card round. Yeah. We know that. So, if you get the first wild card or you win the division, either way, you're hosting a three-game series at Wrigley Field. Yes. If you're to get one of those. It just depends on who you're playing. So if you were to switch the Cubs and the Phillies, like let's say the Cubs overtook the first wild card and the Phillies get the second wild card, well, you'd be playing the Phillies if you were the second or first. It would just depend on where it is. I mean, I'm good with getting the postseason no matter how what. I would just really like to avoid having to play the Brewers in the first round. Um, I can agree with that. It's can, it's the pitching that we're they're facing Burns and Woodruff and you get one bad bounce and the the Phillies lineup is terrifying but if you can hold them at bay enough I think you can score some runs on them. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna put this out there I I didn't bring it up but if you so the Phillies just lost two out of three to Miami. Then they've got a double header tomorrow against the Braves and then Tuesday and Wednesday against the Braves. They get a day off on Thursday. They go to two St. Louis. Then they go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to Atlanta Four against the Mets. The Mets aren't great, but anytime it's your division rival, you know, you throw out the, the records mostly. Um, then you get three against the Pirates and then three more in New York against the Mets. Th- those seven games against the Brewers and and seven against the Mets. So, you know, 14 games against your division opponents. Uh, that gives me a little hope. Possible. A lot can happen here. Oh man. So Cubs tomorrow are throwing Jordan Wicks against a pitcher that has an over a five ERA. Oh no. That usually spells doom. I know. That's why I said, Oh no. It's like a guy with over five ERA. Also, this is Jordan Wicks, his fourth career start. And it, it, I, I really like him, but a guy who pitches to kind of contact in, in that co- ballpark. Yep. And that changeup's not going to have that movement with that thin air, I don't think. Um, but then we get Assad in game two against a guy with a seven and a half ERA. 
you, you just you might need to slug it out here. You might just I mean that that's usually how it goes in Colorado. You gotta win the slug fest. And then let's see who's who's game three here. Game three, you got Tyone versus a guy with a four and a half ERA. Oh man, that's that's gonna be a, a slug fest there. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I I mean, I'm feeling fairly confident that the Cubs are going to make the postseason. I, I mean, Miami and the playing Milwaukee, so a team that's ahead of you and a team that's right behind, right on your ass. Um, you you play Arizona, so in theory. You know, you should be able to, you know, to do your own own dirty work there. I'm I'm just I really I'm not particularly worried. I think San Francisco's toast. Yeah, there that that's the Cubs sweeping them. I think might have done them in. San Diego is just they're done. That's yeah. So, yes. Yes. Um. They're done. San Francisco, I think, is not mathematically done, but um, I, they're they're not playing well. And I think I think Cincinnati, think they finally figured out that they just don't have the the pitching. It's it's you know between Philadelphia, the Cubs, Arizona, and Miami, one of those teams is not making the postseason. Right. Uh, what do you want to move on to now? Uh, this bottle of, uh, booze that I, no, just kidding. I, I don't really have anything to talk about with the White Sox. We've, that team is just. They were officially know. eliminated from the postseason today. In case they're, anyone cares. Yeah. They're eliminated from the, the postseason and, um, you know, they're fighting to just not lose a hundred games. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It truly does not matter. Um, let's see. Uh, Blackhawks retired Chelly's number. Announced at the uh, Pearl Jam concert by Eddie Vedder, no less. Why? That's a big why. So you're not a fan of that, huh? No. Really? Uh, but it's going to be funny is that the Blackhawks are probably going to retire two number sevens. Yep, you'll have Seabrook down the road, and then because um... as much as Chelios deserved his number retired, it's hard to say. You know, it's hard to not say that Seabrook deserved it more. Well, you get Seabrook is still technically under contract, so they can't retire his number yet. They, I mean, they could. They just made the new rules, right? But they're they're sticking to it. Yeah, well, I mean, they're brand they're brand new rules. They they announced them this week, so I'd hope they stick to it. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, I what is he under contract for? Like three more seasons? Yeah, it's something ridiculous. Um, so he's they'll but they'll retire. They'll double retire number seven, and that's pretty obvious. The guy won. The guy won three Stanley cups and was, was 
instrumental in winning them. Like he was a huge portion. Yep, he was. Um, I just kind of want to go through the rules, the new rules for retiring a number for the Blackhawks. Player must have re- must be retired for at least three years, and which doesn't include long uh, include long term injured reserve. Um, minimum of eight years and 500 games played with the Blackhawks for skaters, 400 games played with the team for goaltenders. Hockey Hall of Fame or has played at least 1,000 games, 700 for a goaltender. Uh, played more games with the Blackhawks than any other team during NHL career. Among the most prolific Blackhawks at his position, as evidenced by on-ice performance, all-star selections, and major NHL awards. Exhibited and continues to exhibit strong off-ice character. Changed the game of hockey. Additional consideration will be given to members of the Stanley Cup winning teams with the Blackhawks, along with the entire body of work by a player to the organization, which includes time as a broadcaster and ambassador. In addition, the Blackhawks have set the precedent that the same number can be retired twice, and it doesn't necessarily have to be done at the same time. Um, But Seabrook won't be eligible to have his jersey retired until 2027. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a few years. Um, I'm assuming. uh, Let's see. Which Blackhawks have retired numbers so far? Hull, Makita, Pierre Palat, Hosa, Glenn Glenn Hall, Glenn Hall, Keith Magnuson. Right? Didn't they retire Keith Magnuson after yeah. he died? Pierre Palat. Yeah, yeah, I said Pierre Palat. Uh, Denny Savard. Dennis Savard. Uh, Tony O. Uh, yeah, okay, so I just pulled it up. Glenn Hall, Pierre Palat, Keith Magnuson, Bobby Hull, Dennis Savard, Stan Makita, Tony Esposito, and Marion Hosa. Now, there you go. Now Chelios. Yep. Um. So let's see. Obviously, Tane... Taves and Kane will get their numbers retired. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming Duncan Keith. Yeah, if you're gonna retire Seabrook, then you gotta retire Keith. Um, and what about Crawford? I I love Crow, but I don't. I I, I just I don't think so. I don't think he played long enough for the Hawks. I mean, he played a good number of years, but. You know, his career was shortened a bit by the health issues. And to me, he he's he's a Blackhawks Hall of Famer in my book, but uh, I, I, I'm just not sure that he's going to get that treatment. I think you would retire Ed Belfour before you eat. Yes, I know Crawford won the Cups, but Ed Belfour is the fifth winningest goaltender in NHL history. Let's see. How many games did Corey Crawford play for the Blackhawks? Because um, all of his professional NHL career games, I believe, were with the Hawks. I know he was sent to the Devils, but did he ever even suit up with them? I don't think he did. No, he did not. He 
he quit before the uh, start of the season. So let's see. Game started. Three, four, five, six, D. He did not play it. He did not start enough games. No, he didn't. 359. I think, I wonder if that was the cutoff rule to, they, they could justify not retiring Crow's number. Yeah, because he didn't become like a full starter until 2011. And then, you know, he had some injury riddled seasons after the cup years. Um, Because, I mean, Ed Belfort would obviously meet that criteria, right? Uh, I'm gonna guess. Let's. I mean, Ed Belfour is in the Hall of Fame. He he had to play. I, I'm looking up the stats right now. Um, games played. Blackhawks 415. For the Blackhawks? Yes. Okay. 963 total. Does that include starts or just number of games? Uh, games played. They don't have starts. The data for NH- game starts for a goalie isn't available that far back. Um, That's kind of weird. See, I'm on NHL.com and they have the game started. So how many games started? I was I went with Crawford number of games started. So he did. I mean, Ed, Ed Belfour played eight years with Chicago. And he started. If you go by the years, he has 401 games started for the Blackhawks. There you go. There you go. Postseason 401. So he does meet that cutoff. Um, But they haven't retired his number yet. The other, you know, the other one that doesn't get a lot of love is Steve Larmer. He's Uh, kind of, he's kind of the forgotten about Blackhawk who is really damn good. I mean, yeah, but it's, you know, you don't retire, um, you know, Hall of Good. Uh, but he, I mean, he was very, very good. Yeah, I mean. Because, I mean, do you do you think about retiring Jeremy Roenick? Um, no. Um, I'm going to throw a name out there. Okay. Jalmerson to retire his number. I mean, compare, compare him to Larmer. Um, well, I mean, one's a defense and one is a forward. Yeah. I mean, but it's the body of work. I, I mean, I, you know, Nicholas Jalmerson gets the benefit of, of the, the cups. Steve Larmer is the fourth most, has the fourth most goals in Blackhawks history. He has more than Dennis Savard and Taze, and Dennis Hall, and Tony Imani, and Jeremy Roenick, and Bill Mozienko. How many, how many cups does he got, though? Oh. <laughs> wow, what, what do you have against Steve Larmer? I don't know. Uh, you are such a dweeb. <laughs> uh, let's see. Steve Larmer has the fifth most points in Blackhawks history. He is top five in points and goals and is seventh in assists. 
goals created fifth plus minus tied for fifth even strength goals seventh power play goals steve larmer has the most power play goals of anyone in blackhawks history okay if if you had i'm gonna give you steve larmer i'm gonna throw another name out there and you tell me you can only pick one to retire their number which one is it going to be larmer patrick kane yeah. I'm gonna go through this. It's, we're gonna do multiple rounds of this. Okay, okay, okay. Patrick Kane, obviously. That's that's obvious. He's Larmer. arguably the best player in Chicago Blackhawks history until Connor Bedard plays. All right, Larmer, Jonathan Taves, Taves. Okay, Larmer, Duncan Keith. Probably Keith. Larmer. Seabrook. Probably. I mean, if you're going to retire Chelios, you're going to retire Seabrook. So. Do you have anyone that isn't a former cup winner of that era? Um, I mean, they all won cups in that era. Well, I, I mean, because... Like, if you were to ask me Patrick Sharp or Steve Larmer, I'm saying Steve Larmer. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, Sharp won a cup, but he's, and he was really important to that team, but he was. Wasn't as good as Steve Larmer. No, no. Um, And I love the hammer. You're right. Steve Larmer belongs there more than the hammer, but. Yes. I just love Jalmerson. Oh, I, I love just... he's my one of my favorite Blackhawks ever was Jalmerson. Yeah. Okay, uh, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Sean. <laughs> Steve Larmer or Jeremy Roenick? Larmer. I agree. A- a Jeremy part... Roenick was a bigger name, but Larmer statistically did more. Plus, Roenick's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, that is what what was one of those uh um, one of the the things is off ice character. Um, and Ronick's Ronick's uh, um, you know, had some some real off ice gaffes. I mean, uh, fired over sexual harassment from a job. Um. Uh, hey, these guys aren't all saints. You know who really wasn't a saint was Bobby Hall. Yeah, but you know what? You can't unretire his number. No, you can't. And hey, he was statistically the best Blackhawk ever. I mean, obviously, there's more points for Stan Makita, but if he would have played here as long as Stan Makita. But, you know. Uh, hey, gotta, hey, 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 hey. Uh, you know how many career hat tricks Petra Kane has? He has nine. Okay. Okay. He's got nine. That's fourth. You know who's tied with Patrick Kane in hat tricks? Steve Larmer. Steve Larmer. Steve Larmer. You know who has the six most goals per game in Blackhawks history? Steve Larmer. Top 10 in assists per game? Steve Larmer. Goals created per game? Number six, Steve Larmer. 
adjusted goals, fifth at all time, Steve Larmer. Steve Larmer also tied for least number of being fired for sexually harassing your coworkers. Jeremy Roenick is tied for the tops. Uh, I cannot say he has uh, Steve Larmer has the most shutouts. You know who does have the most shutouts, right? Um, this is kind of a gimme. I'm guessing Esposito. That's correct. 74. He's got it by a long shot. Next is Glenn Hall with 51. Yeah. You, you know what's interesting about Glenn Hall? He's 91. He's still alive. When's the last time anyone ever heard anything from Glenn Hall? Uh, maybe he's like a weekend at Bernie's. Just like there. Yeah, I because I, I couldn't tell you. Like, when was the last time there was like anything at the United Center with Glenn Hall? I, I legit can't think of it. I wonder where he even is. I don't know. No idea. He's somewhere. Let's see. Where is Glenn Hall now? <laughs> I, it pops up. Goaltending pioneer and Hall of Famer, fame legend Glenn Hall has all the love he needs on his 155-acre farm in uh, Stony Plain. Where the heck is that? It says Stony Plain, comma, Alta. Is that like Canada? I, I'm i going to assume so, because I think he was Canadian. Let's see. He's from Saskatchewan, so he is Canadian. So it would probably make sense that he's up there in Canada somewhere. So let's see. Stony Plain. Oh, Alberta. A-L-T-A is, is abbreviation for Alberta. So well, there you go. He's in Canada. So Canada. He's, he's in 91. He's not trying to he's not trying to come down and hang out. In, no. He's on his horse farm. No, no. And, you know, the, the crazy thing was, is before 2010, that was the last Blackhawks goaltender to win a Stanley Cup. You had Tony O. You had Marty Bannerman. You had Hobby Bullen. You had Ed Bell Four. And none of them won a cup in Chicago. Let's see. Till 2010. Glenn talked of the wonderful friends he'd made in the game. Too many of them uh, gone. And he reserved a thought for the cement-headed players whom he said never realized how good they could have been had they only used their brains. He spoke uh, in his most revere, uh, reverential tones of Gordy Howe, a teammate in Detroit, when Glenn debuted in the NHL with a brief 1952 call-up and Canadian center Jean Belveau, two legends who retired from the NHL the same year, he unbuckled his old leather pads for good. I never got anything. I left without a garbage bag, he groused with a grin about what he had left behind in his 1971 St. Louis Blues locker, equipment that today could have auctioned for a fortune. I did, I did get my last worn-out pair of pads, but the kids kicked the crap out of them downstairs. Nobody cared about the windows that'll... Uh, that they'd wipe out playing hockey, ba- uh, basement hockey. Glenn laughed at the memory, then spun one yarn after another, each better than the one before it. I retired because goalkeeping was a dangerous work. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, back then you'd have nearly as much protection. 
No. Old Glenn Hall. He wore a, a mask for the first time in his career in 1968, just a couple years before he retired. Sheesh. And he's 91 and he's still living after all that. Good for you, Glenn Hall. He's about to turn 92 in less than a month. Yeah, that's impressive, man. Good for Glenn Hall. Yeah, because I always I always have to double check to see if he's alive because I don't hear about him. I'm I'm assuming we would hear if he died. Oh, we we probably would, but like I couldn't remember. Like, oh, did he die like ten years ago or whatever? And I just don't remember. Like, I sometimes Fair. have to like remember back. Fair, yeah. I mean, uh, not that long ago, you reminded me that the shooter died. I'd totally forgotten. Yeah, and that was in 07. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that we need to talk about? I don't really have much else, honestly. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it then for this episode of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. I want to thank everybody so much for listening. Please hit subscribe however you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Share this podcast with your friends. That's how we grow the show. Follow us on social media at Swirsky Sports, Facebook.com slash Sports, com, or ShyFanPat2 for Alex on Twitter slash X. Uh, or alexanderjpatcreative.com for all the cool stuff that Alex does. And again, thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, bear down. Cubs win! What a lucky break! The good Lord wants the Cubs to win! We thank Ditka and God for all they have provided. Uh, 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 Cubs win! Cubs win! Cubs win! You can have her, she's a Packer fan She can't fit in my van And she looks like Remember New Yorkers, smoking crack is not legal on the plains Bears, 31, the negative 7 The Bears Oh, when the Bears go bearing down